listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, a.m. 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Bob is riding Blaze, the fabulous new galloping horse from Mattel. See, his legs actually move just like a real horse. There's no other riding horse anywhere that gallops like Blaze. Now watch this. When you bounce on Blaze, he romps along like a frisky coat. He gallops when you rock back and forth on him, but he's so safe, you just can't tip over. Blaze is the safest, strongest horse made. Okay, Slippery. This is the end of the line. Almost got away, Marshal, if we weren't for that lightning fast horse of yours. Where'd you get him? You can get Mattel's Blaze wherever toys are sold. And just wait till Dad sees how easy it is to set up. Just pop him out of the box, spread the stand, and tighten just one bolt. That's all there is to it. And see how safe and solidly built Blaze is. You can tell it's Mattel. It's well. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And I, yep, I'm back. I'm back here in Clearwater, Florida. How you doing, Cedric? Pretty good. Good to have you back. Oh, yeah, just in case I forget. Uh, I'm your host, Robert. You know? That's right. I always forget to say that, you know, because I figure people listen to the show enough that they know who I am, see me around car shows, swap meets, and things like that. So, anyway, yes. Hey, run your computer and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live in the studio as we're waving. And, uh... So did I miss anything last week, Sud? Um, no, no, I nothing? guess not. It was an average evening here average at Tan Talk. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I got to tell you, SEMA uh, is extremely overwhelming. Anybody, uh, you know, I was really lucky there. I mean, there was a really a whole slew of really, really amazing people out there. I mean, first thing I did is I got there Monday in the afternoon and I walked into the uh, main warehouse or the main uh, hall there. And who do I see? I run into Steve Davis and Gary from uh, Bear Jackson. So I was hanging with those guys for a few minutes. Then about 30 feet away from them, over on the right, was 
Chip Foose, of all people. He's in there waxing and polishing this car. He's got this Mercedes 300 SL that he's got in there that he's trying to get ready at you know, the last-minute prep you know, because uh, Monday is still set-up time. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is when it's open to the uh, retailers and buyers and uh, you know all the B2B guys in the uh, automotive aftermarket world. So it was a really, really cool show. So I stopped and talked to Chip for a few minutes. And, uh, yes, he agreed to come on the show. So it's just a question of when because he's got a real busy schedule. He's not doing overhauling right now, but he's got some other stuff in the pipeline. Then, uh, geez, I mean, I ran into so many people out there. I mean, uh, George Barris was out there. Uh, Dan Woods from uh, Cut, Chop, and Rebuild. Troy Chapena was there. Steve Strope was there. And, of course, we did the show live with uh, Vic Adelbrock. You know, that was cool because he was really neat. And uh, so it was just uh, an endless uh, array of people out there. I mean, I can't even think of all the names. I just, uh, you know, anybody and everybody that was out there. Lingenfelter was out there. I talked to Ken for a few minutes because when I was guest hosting with uh, – uh, Jim and Stewie on their show, uh, Maximum Motoring, which airs Tuesday, Thursday mornings at 11. I get these guys plugs all the time. I hope they do the same for me. Thursdays at 11 o'clock on the same radio station. But anyway, Ken was out there, so I said hi to him. Uh, they're just, I mean, there's, there's so many people out there. Uh, Gene Winfield was out there. He was hanging out there with us a little bit for a few minutes. We were talking about some of the old stuff. Daryl Starbird did some of the really cool custom cars back in the 50s and 60s, you know, you know, and I used to build a lot of those models. Uh, Dennis Gage from uh, My Classic Car was out there. He was hanging with us for a little bit. Uh, Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA, he was there. Um, you know, I mean, it's just a really, really neat thing. There's so many seminars. It's, it's so educational. So it's just so neat. I mean, it's really, really overwhelming because I mean, I'm kind of into the vintage thing. So I really am not up on a lot of the new high tech stuff, but it is interesting. Okay. I got to tell you that. Now keep in mind, this building is five million square feet. There's actually two, two locations. You got the main convention center, which is huge. Uh, that's three, four days in itself. You know, if you take your time. And then uh, down the street at the uh, Venetian or the Sands Hotel is the Apex deal. Now, the Apex uh, convention is pretty much like manufacturers from outside the United States. So just a ton of really cool people. I didn't, fortunately, I've been there before, but I didn't get over there this time because I was too busy hanging out with everybody else in the main main hall. And then out front, they had all the other displays. I had all the cool custom cars. I mean, you know, it's just if you guys really want to build something state-of-the-art, I mean, and you put a whole bunch of effort into it. Uh, that's the place you really want to go and show off your wares because that's where you'll get recognized. But anyway, uh, let's go. Let's fire up that record player. And I got somebody calling in a few minutes. Uh, we got a guest coming on. And then we got our special guest yeah. later in the evening, which I can't wait to get to. All right. We're firing up the, the record player. Fire up the record player. With a little old school Aerosmith. There you go. Some early stuff. The flip side of a 45.
is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Hi, this is Dave McClellan, the voice of NHRA. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. All right, we're back. Hey, let me tell you about a couple of events that are coming up this weekend. Okay, first off, at Daytona, Vintage Races, HSR. Huge deal, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Dade City, we got Bug Jam for all you V-Wee guys. That's going on. That's all day Saturday. I think it's Sunday as well, okay? And then, of course, in St. Pete, we got the St. Pete Yacht Club. That's Sunday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday, Sunday, over at the Fantasy Flight is Roaring Soar. But the big event for the weekend is Festival of Speed. And without further ado, I want to welcome Joe Sal- to the show because he's going to tell us all about Festival of Speed. Joe, are you there? Rob, I'm here. How are you? Pretty good. Welcome to the show. Ah, glad to be here. So tell us, tell the listeners, tell me, tell everybody all about Festival of Speed this weekend at the Ritz Carlton in Orlando. Festival of Speed, sixth uh, annual event, sold out the entire property, and just happy to have everybody out here. Gathering of the world's most exclusive exotic cars, aircraft, yachts, and motorcycles. Bugatti, uh, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, Lamborghini, Maserati, Porsche, you name it. They're all going to be here. And uh, we just want everybody to come out. It's a beautiful weekend. Lots of stuff going on this weekend. Our main day is Sunday. So uh, we want everybody out here to come out and enjoy all the exotic cars. We've got the new Lamborghini Aventador, the Bugatti Veyron. I mean, pretty much whatever your heart desires in the world of automotive, we have it. Now, this is considered a lifestyle event. So explain to the listeners, myself included, what, how do you define a lifestyle event? What all, that, what all does that entail? Well, you know, first and foremost, we started as an exotic car event, you know, 10 years ago. But we quickly learned that the best way to get a man to bring his exotic cars out is to make sure his wife is very happy. So... We only operate a four-diamond property. 
we operate in Miami, St. Peter, the Renaissance, Vinoy, and of course, this weekend in Orlando, Ritz Galton event, Four Diamond Property. So it's it's all about the best wines, the best cigars, the best cognacs, the best cars. It's not to come across in a, like a stuffy way because it's all about the camaraderie. But this is what we do. We want to make sure that if you want a cold beer, there's a cold beer. If you want the best cognac and a good cigar, it's here. And uh, it makes no difference whether you're showing a million-dollar car or just, you know, a young kid restored his first car. It's all about the camaraderie, and that's what we do. But when you want the very best, we're absolutely happy to deliver it to you at the Festivals of Speed. Now, I mentioned that this was Sunday. Now, uh, I kind of I forgot. It actually takes it actually starts Friday evening, doesn't it? It's Friday, Saturday, but there's a, 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 a bunch of different stuff that goes on. So tell us about what the other events are. Typically, what we do is we start on a Friday night. We do a display of, uh, of aircraft. We call it the uh, Luxury Lifestyle Jetport Reception. Gulfstream jets and fighter jets, you know, World War II piece Mustangs, right up to an F-18 Hornet, everything in between. And it starts with a big party, 900 people in, um, at a hangar right at Orlando. Full open bar, the best food, the best everything. Then we go into the ride and drive Saturday in front of the valet at the Orlando Ritz-Carlton. Anyone that's qualified, they can get in behind the wheel of a Ferrari, Lamborghini, a Rolls-Royce Bentley and take it for a ride and drive. And we do a big wine there, and then on Sunday it all accumulates with almost 300 cars on the property. And again, you could walk through the grounds with a nice glass of wine or a nice cold beer and just take a look at everything and anything, because we're not just a Concorde, we're a mix of everything. It could be a 57 Chevy, just fully blown out, right up to a Bugatti Veyron and a Rolls-Royce Ghost right next to it. So, you know, we really appeal to the gearhead. Okay. Um, it's the gear ahead that wants to have a great day, and that's what we're here for. Super. Now, how many Festival of Speed events do you do a year? Typically, we do what we call our three majors. We do some boutique events, but we do St. Pete, Miami, and Orlando. And then for 2012, we go into San Diego and Long Island, New York. Okay. Now, if somebody wants to contact you, if somebody wants to participate in a Festival event or festival of Speed event, let's say, like, I want to display my car, my boat, my airplane, how would they go about doing that? Well, there's two ways. I mean, you can go to our website, which you can buy tickets and get all the information and register your car. It's a plural, it's festivalsofspeed.com. Or you can just give us a call, 352-385-9450. Wow. Website's got all the information they need to know, and we still have room for cars here at the Ritz this weekend. Super. Okay, that's great. Uh, what else would you like to add about uh, Festival of Speed? I mean, do you plan on adding anything else to it? I heard rumors that there may be an auction, a really high-end auction might be added to the uh, to the mix here. Tell us about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. For 2012, we really, you know, particularly in Orlando, it's a $551 billion rich property. We already take about 80% of the property. But for 2012, we bought out the 18th Fairway plus the driving range. And Hollywood Wheels will be setting up at least a conservative three to 400-car auction on the driving range. And we're going to put 250 vintage cars, the classic Concorde d'Elegance, on the 18th fairway. So it's been the sixth year now. We're going to sign a 15-year agreement actually tomorrow. And uh, we're looking forward to everybody coming out. So you can see vintage and contemporary, uh, the best lifestyle, like you said earlier. And if you want to buy a car... You can buy it from one of our sponsors at the auction. 
Okay, super. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on the air for a few minutes and telling us about that. I will see you this weekend for certain. And uh, everybody, don't forget Festival of Speed this week, Sunday particularly, at the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando. Did I say that right, Joe? Absolutely, and we're really, really thankful to be on the air with you guys. And the more the merrier, come out. The weather's beautiful. We look forward to seeing you. Okay, thank you very much for coming on the air. Appreciate it. Now, All right, guys, have a great night. Thank you. Uh, if anybody wants, I have, and I will give away tickets, okay, free tickets to people that call in, leave your name and number. Now, this is not normally a call-in show, so if you call in and you leave your name and number with Cedric, okay, we will somehow manage. you got to have an address, too, kids, okay, if you do this real quickly, because today's Wednesday. We can get the tickets out tomorrow. You can have them by Friday. If you call in, call in. Okay, and the number here is 727-441-3000. That's 727-441-3000. I will give away a couple sets of tickets to Festival of Speed. Now, those tickets are like 10, 12 bucks a piece. Okay, so that's a $20-plus value, okay? So keep that in mind. Call in, 727-441-3000, okay? And don't forget, he mentioned that there's going to be an auction there. Well, don't forget, we have the Palm Beach Auto Auction at the Palm Beach Convention Center. In December, the second week of December, okay, that's the 8th, or actually it's the 9th, 10th, and 11th. That's the Palm Beach County Convention Center. Don't forget the Palm Beach Auto Auction, okay? I want to see everybody there on the block, okay? And let's see what else we got. Okay, don't forget these other events that I mentioned, and I think we're going to go into a little bit of a commercial break here in a second. But actually, while I'm... We got our guest on the line? No, no I was just getting uh, some listener information. Oh, you got a listener. Somebody called already. What's those yep, tickets? Well, yep, yep, yep. I see the lights flashing back there, so I know a whole bunch of people are... That means we actually have a whole bunch of listeners out there, don't we? Quite possible, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's super. But you anyway. Want, want to jump to break, or what do you want to do? Yeah, let's go uh, roll. Well, let's see. What can we do? Actually, I could talk. See, did you call our guest yet? I'll get, I'll do it right now. Okay, do that. Get her on the line. And then in the meantime, I'll just blab a little bit about SEMA. I want to go back to that anyway, because it was some really, really cool stuff there. Because, you know, some of the things that really impressed me was, like, when we had Troy Trepena on the phone, um, or actually on the air last week, his car just... You know, I, I cannot describe his car. Uh, it's a 54 Buick. Uh, if you get a chance, in a couple of weeks, I think a lot of that stuff will be uploaded. But when you start looking at these cars, the quality of the cars, uh, I guess the only way to describe the stuff is perfection. Perfection comes to mind. You know, um, the, the there's a lot of vendors there, okay? I don't care if it's MSD. I don't care if it's uh, – it could be, again, like I said, it could be uh, a paint company. It could be BASF. BASF, it could be DuPont, it could be, you know, Detroit Speed, it could be any one of these aftermarket companies, it could be Lincoln, um, the, you know, and ESOB, you know, they make the uh, welding equipment. Uh, what those guys will do, if somebody has a really, really state-of-the-art car that's stand-up, and I mean truly stand-up, okay, they will sit there and contract with you to have your car there as a display to attract attention. And nothing sets off those displays more than having a really, really cool, wicked car. Preferably something that's really custom, unique, well-engineered, just well-built and well-put-together. I mean, it's just an amazing... Uh, I, all I can say is I was just really impressed. Okay? I mean, this time, more than ever, because there was some really, really cool state-of-the-art stuff there. You know, I ran into this other guy. His name's Franz. He was a German guy. Um, I got a little uh, soundbite from him that I'll play in one of the later shows. But, uh, you know, typically when we think of resto mods, we think of, you know, American cars with late model engines, as in the case of Troy Trepena's car, the 54 Buick with the uh, late model uh, Mercedes driveline, or um, Steve Strobe's car with the uh, that, that one-off, one of two possibly, twin turbocharged uh, V8, whatever it might be. 
uh, in that uh, second-gen Camaro, which was actually a really, really cool car. I mean, the the thing about these cars are there's nothing hodgepodge. A lot of thought, a lot of design, a lot of engineering goes into this stuff. A lot of, you know, work ahead of time, you know, like planning goes into these cars, okay, before these things actually, you know, hit the, hit the ground, so to speak. And uh, But there's one guy that I met upstairs uh, on the second floor over where a lot of the um, aftermarket stuff was for engines and stuff. He had two beautiful, stunning Mercedes-Benzes. George, I know if you're listening right now, you would have appreciated these cars. One was the 1953 Mercedes 300S Cabriolet. Absolutely amazing, perfect restoration. In typical German fashion. Perfect. You know, tuck tuck. You know, I mean, just nothing out of line. Then he also had a 1965 66 Mercedes 250SE Coupe sunroof car. Okay. Both cars, doors closed, hoods closed. You walk up to them, you know, 20 feet, 10 feet, 5 feet, 3 feet, 2 feet. You're right on top of the car. It looks like a perfect restored car. Pop the hood, look underneath the car. You've got all late model Mercedes Benz high tech drive lines underneath them. And the most amazing thing about it was nothing was altered on the car. No extra holes drilled, nothing. Everything was fabricated. Everything was engineered. Absolutely perfect stuff. But to the tune of $125,000 per conversion, plus the cost of the car, plus the restoration. So amazing, amazing work. So you you just don't know what you're going to find there. Hey, let's go to the commercial break real quick, and then we're going to get ready for our guest, right? All right. Good deal. Sounds Super. like a plan. Hey, listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great pizza shop right here in downtown Clearwater. Bro's Pizzeria, voted number one in the city of Clearwater. They're located at 547 South Fort Harrison Avenue. They have great New York-style pizza, as well as delicious lasagna, spaghetti and meatballs, manicotti, linguine. And if you're in the neighborhood for lunch, they have great hot and cold sandwiches and appetizers. So call 727-441-6025 for takeout and deliveries, or stop by for a veal parmesan dinner and a nice glass of vino. That's Bro's Pizzeria. Check out their website and watch my friend Olti create a spectacular pizza before your very eyes. What would you like on your pizza? Call Bro's Pizzeria, 727-441-6025. That's 727-441-6025. And tell them Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Rod Gang, the hottest of hot rodders. The craziest of kittens. High school Hellcats. Two terrific teenage movies. And the rockinest, rollinest of cats. Starring popular John Ashley, cute little Jodie Fair, satellite siren Jean Vincent, and that alarmingly charming Yvonne Lime, a kitten who has all the cats howling. She wasn't bad looking for a girl. Personally, I prefer a hopped up motor. Guys who've got what it takes. Chicks who'll take all they've got. Together in two movie theater treats. Hot Rod Gang and High School Hellcat.
I'm Corky Coker, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back. I guess uh, Corky Coker said it for me. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey, it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This lady really doesn't need much of an introduction, other than the fact that she comes from, in my opinion, the first family of hot rodding, a name that's very well known. And as soon as I mention it, everybody on the planet will know exactly who I'm talking about. And it gives me great pleasure, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Cami Adelbrock. Cammy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Robert. How you doing, How Katie? How you doing? <laughs> so, uh, well, we did it. We finally got you on the air. That's great. Yeah, it's great to be a part of your show. It sounds like you have a great show going. We have a little fun. Um, if you get a chance, when we get the podcast uploaded and all that good stuff, you can hear the podcast because I played some other little cartoons and I played an, an Aerosmith song because I know you like Aerosmith earlier Perfect. and uh, some of that stuff. But anyway, okay, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's like to be the daughter of Vic Edelbrock Jr.? <laughs> Well, um, I'm glad you said junior because a lot of people go, um, you know, is that your grandfather? I mean, is he the one that they get a little confused? So, yeah, my my dad is Vic Edelbrock Jr. And my grandfather is Vic Edelbrock Sr., of course. You know, he started, he he's one of the pioneers. And, you know, growing up in the family, shoot, you know, it's like I, I've been thinking, where do I start? You know, I mean, I, I'm the oldest of three daughters. And, you know, people say, well, don't you have any brothers? I can't believe you don't have any brothers. And I'm like, no. My dad had, my dad and mom have all girls. And he said that he had all girls because he chased girls all his life. So God <laughs> gave him three girls to raise. <laughs> so That's called karma, yeah. right? Pardon, yeah. That's, that's called, called karma. karma. <laughs> that's right. But, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, of course, luckily I like cars. I always have. I like anything that goes fast, any, uh, anything that has, that performs well and, um, you know, as a result, I don't know if it's because I was around it since I was little. I'm sure it is. You know, we got to go to drag races from the, you know, when we were old enough, stand up, and uh, we got to meet all the the icons in drag racing, like Bill Grumpy Jenkins and Don the Snake Perdome, and and I'm dating myself. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but um, don't forget Ed Pink hey, and uh, and uh, Iskandarian and all those guys too. They were all oh, friends of your dad. Yeah, Ed Iskandarian. Um, I just saw him at the SEMA show. Um, he's a great guy. But we got to meet all those guys and, and hang out with them. And Tom, in fact, Tom the Mongoose McEwen, when I have a picture of myself when I'm 15 years old and I'm on the racetrack, uh, on the drag, uh, at drag races, and I'm sitting in Tom the Mongoose's golf cart. But they had golf carts then. They didn't have the big chase trucks and everything. And we were so excited to be standing on the track, you know, and watching them, watching them take off. We all, my sister and I really liked the crew. So he, <laughs> he let us hang out. And, in fact, when he lost, he'd get mad at us and say that we were distracting his crew. That's so, what it was? Okay. I have fond memories of all that. And, and Tom Tom the Mongoose is still my friend today, but uh, I have a lot of memories of hanging out at the racetrack. And, in fact, my dad couldn't keep us away from the, the starting line. You know, he kept saying, get away from there. You know, in case it blows, something blows up, we don't want you to be right next to it. You know, so couldn't get close enough, you know. Did you do any racing yourself? I mean, did you do any drag racing. I know you I know you road race. We'll get into that in a little bit. But as far as drag racing, did you ever get behind the wheel there and run, uh, you know, the quarter mile pass at all? No, never did any drag racing. But, you know, when I was younger, we were riding horses. We, My sisters and I all competed in the hunter-jumper circuit. And so we were very busy, you know, after high, after 
high school, immediately following classes, we'd jump in our car and go down and, and train because we competed, you know, on the show circuit. And it was it was really a, a busy schedule for us, you know, and very, very intense. So that's what we did when we were younger. I didn't get into cars and, and I didn't get into racing until I was older. Okay. You know, as you said, we'll talk about that. Okay. Well, speaking of cars, what was your first car? You know, I wrote that down. It was a 65 Mustang. Good girl! Um, Good yeah, girl. it was cool. I was a Ford girl right from the beginning, and it had Krager wheels on it, chrome Krager wheels, and of course, Edelbrock stuff under the hood. Okay. And and I had a lot of fun um, going into the gas station, you know, and saying, excuse me, could you check under my hood, please? I... <laughs> You know, I think I think there's some. I think I need you to check my oil. You know, and the guys would open the hood, and and their eyes would pop out of their head and go, "What is a girl doing driving this car?" You know, they couldn't believe it. They didn't know who I was. You know, <laughs> and, and they thought it was really funny. But so you were taunting them, car. is what you were doing. Pardon, yeah, you're taunting them. Okay. Well, now was your Mustang a fastback or coupe or convertible? What was it? A coupe. It was a coupe, coupe with a, a, the vinyl top, and it was bright red. And I was really lucky. I didn't get a lot of tickets. I don't know how because I drove. <laughs> It like a mad woman. <laughs> Five, uh, four speed or automatic car? Automatic. 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 Oh, okay. And, and really fun in the rain, you know? Oh, okay. Um, the little light rear end, you know, and I did uh, spin out quite a bit, but <laughs> that was before I went to Bondurant and learned how to drive, so. Oh, okay. Did Bob Bondurant, <laughs> yeah. he, did he personally uh, give you instructions? Um, Yes, but we went to Bondurant. Was that when he was in well, Sonoma, we, California, up in Northern California, is that one, or was it when he was in Arizona? He was in, he was in Arizona when I went. Okay. Uh, my dad went to his, um, his school when I was at Sears Point. Okay. But by the time I got to go, but, you know, let's back up a little bit, because before I got into cars, I was racing with my dad in the water. We did um, ski racing. Ski racing? Yeah, water ski racing. Is that that crazy um, stuff they run between L.A. and Catalina Island and stuff like that, where you guys go 60, 70 miles an hour behind a boat on that's skis? That's right. That's right. We did uh, the Catalina Ski Race is a an old race that's been going on for years and years. Uh, it's still They still do it in the summertime. Um, it starts in Long Beach in the harbor and you start a deep water start uh they'd fire off a gun you know a flare gun and everybody goes at once towards the breakwater opening well you can imagine what it's like when you know a hundred plus boat all lined up try to go through the breakwater all at once that's between the jetty right. now right right okay and <laughs> that's and like a funnel crazy yeah. Well, now, what kind of preparation do you have to go through to be, I mean, now that sounds grueling. Tell us a little bit about that. What do you, I mean, the preparation and the mindset you have to go through to, to, to compete in that kind of a race. Well, it's good to work out a lot and get, um, you know, strengthen your muscles because when you fall, it's like hitting a, it's like hitting the concrete floor, you know, um, the water feels pretty hard at about at 75 miles per hour. So, you know, a lot of working out and a lot of skiing. I mean, I was skiing the circuit, but there was a, um, there's still is a circuit of water ski races in in here on the west coast that go they go to Lake Mead, Clear Lake up north in northern California. Mm-hmm. And there's there are marathon races all over the place. I skied at Dana Point. Oh really? Okay. Um, in the ocean. Yeah. And my I skied mixed doubles and my partner and I had, had skied at you know, we we'd been skiing all year, so that was the best way to get in shape for it because it's really a different kind of um, experience. I mean, the skis, the skis are not like a normal slalom water ski. It's a big, long, 
water ski tall. You know, it was taller than I am. Uh, I'm 5'10", and the ski was, like, you know, as tall as I am. And are, they, are they wider, they're too? Big and, they're big and heavy and wide and flat, like a like a flat-bottom boat, so you kind of go over the top of the waves. Mm-hmm. And and the the bindings are super thick, and, and they... They lock, they strap you into the bindings. So, oh, really? Yeah, and and when, we ski um, Aussie style. We used to call it Aussie style. I don't. They call it wrapping up now. But you take the, the handles and you wrap up, pull them behind your your back, um, kind of in the in below your like your lower back, and you hold the handles behind you and and put the other hand up in front of you. So you don't you're. You're not getting pulled from your shoulders like a normal water ski, like a normal water skier. You you wrap up and and you go, you kind of sit, squat down, and go that way. But it, it's a it's an exciting sport. And my dad would drive the boat, and and he had a whole bunch of skiers, and and we'd go all over the all over the place, and we called ourselves the Fun Team. It was it was really great. And uh, but the Catalina ski race is a challenge and a half. The year I skied it, it was one of the roughest years anybody had seen. There were white caps in, on the ocean, and it took us two hours and seventeen minutes to finish. But we won our class. We won the mixed doubles class. Two, so two it was, hours. It was crazy. <laughs> two hours on skis at two seventy hours, miles. Yeah. at seventy well, miles an hour. You can fall. You can fall. I mean, it was so rough that I fell a couple times, and they just came around and got me. And you can fall as much as you want. You know, it's it's um it's whoever gets across the finish line first. And so you just, I just kept falling. I fall, and I the driver would come back and get me, and go, "Are you sure you want to keep going?" And I said, "Heck yes, I want to finish that, finish this race, and get across the finish line." So it took us that long to get done. The second place team took three hours. That's <laughs> Jeez. It was a really rough race, really rough. Now, how many miles would that be? I mean, to put that in perspective a little bit. Well, it's 26 miles one way, so That's 50. 52 miles. Yeah, 52 miles round trip. Turn, uh, you go around a buoy in, in front of Avalon, in Avalon Harbor at Catalina Island, and, and go back to the... In fact, my driver, the driver that was pulling us, he got off course and went through the wrong breakwater entrance and ended up going in by San Pedro instead of Long Beach. So we got a little bit off track. <laughs> and you still came in first. And we still came in first. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Well, now, what type of boat's pulling you? Is this a kind of like a deep V-type kind of boat? I mean, or is there a special, you know, because sometimes, you know, for ski boats, you typically got a flat bottom, you got a, they're an inboard, you know, V-drive. Oh, no, you know, no. So it, this is a 32-foot Spectra. They don't make them anymore, but... Spectra boats... If, if it's a Spectra I'm thinking about, they're actually made here in Florida. Jay Pellini is a friend of ours. He used to make Spectra boats. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they're great boats. They're awesome. We had, my dad has had uh, two of them. Uh, they, we had a 24-foot Spectra, and then we had a 32. Were they like a, like a catamaran, like a little cat, skater cat? No, um, DP. No, DP, um, okay. Inboard, outboard, uh, two, two big block, no, two small block Chevy engines. And because after I skied the race that one year, I thought, okay, that's enough for me. I'm, I'm done skiing. I quit skiing because it was just getting too crazy. And, you know, I mean, the really good skiers, they go, they don't go 75 mile an hour. They go like 95 mile an hour. The record in the Catalina ski race, the, the, the record is under an hour. It's well under an hour. My dad held the record with his men's open skier for uh, several years. But um, I think they recently, I think they just broke the record this year. 
I think it's around 52 minutes or something. It's crazy. They're so fast. Your dad used to I, ski, too? My dad always pulled the skiers. He oh, was always okay. driving the boat. He was always driving the boat. But um, Th- That's just mind-boggling. 90 miles an hour plus on the water. I mean... I can't. Do you have? Let's just assume you you you're unfortunate enough and you do crash. Do they? Is there a certain technique to hit the water so you don't knock the living daylights out of yourselves or what? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I guess you tuck and roll. Tuck and roll. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about the bindings? Do they let go? I mean, they're like ski bindings or something. Well, some I broke my ankle one time at Dana Point because my my one foot didn't come out of the binding. The other one did, and and. One foot stayed in, and the other one didn't. So the ski kind of wrapped around and broke my ankle. Ooh. And um, and I thought, oh, it's just spraying. Get me back in my ski. I want to finish the race. <laughs> so they put me back in my ski, and we finished the race. And I think we got second that time. And um, I had a broken ankle. So wow, it's 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 a wild sport. It's um. It's it's really it's really challenging and and fast and um, exciting. You know, if you if anybody ever has a chance to see a, a ski race, they just had they have the world championships in Australia. Actually, they move around. They were I think they were just in Australia, and a, a, one of the guys that works at Edelbrock um, has uh, skied over there, um, and it's a big a big big event. Um, every year, so and it's a world world event. Wow! So now, then you got into boat racing. Tell us a little about that. Were you actually driving the boat? Right. We we went from ski racing to offshore boat racing um, here on the west coast. Uh, Bob Nordstog was uh, the guy that ran all the races out here. He and his family, and they had uh, races, you know, here in on you know out of Long Beach. Uh, we raced in San Francisco. Um, we raced all up and down the West Coast. Um, and it was a, let's see, what was it? Uh, a scarab. It was a scarab. Um, 50, I think it was 50. 30, 30, 38 foot 40, scarab. 38. 48 foot. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. 48 foot <laughs> scarab. Um, and it was before they, you know, we were not the high-tech boats that you see out there now with the pods on top and, everything else we were the the kind of boat that just was you know we were just standing in the boat um with all our our gear on and um there was my dad drove uh worked the throttle he worked the throttles i i steered the boat and then we had somebody navigate um and they were endurance races um you know where you had to navigate the navigator was important because every turn was different. Some turns you had to go around the boat and the buoy on the port side. Other turns you had to take it on the starboard side. Um, sometimes you had to split it between the boat and the buoy. So they purposely made it challenging navigation-wise. So you all had to communicate, you know. Okay. Um, and the my favorite story is when we were in San Francisco and... Um, it was a race that was partially in the harbor and partially out. You know, you had to go under the Golden Gate Bridge and out in the rough water 
as well as the smooth water. And, you know, some people were really good at the smooth water. Other people were really good at the rough water. Bob Nordskog was what they called him the old man of the sea because he was good at both. Mm-hmm. Um, he could, he could beat, he was, he was amazing. So my dad and I, I was driving, my dad was working the throttles and we had headsets so we could all talk. Okay. Um, our headsets started acting up during the race and my dad and I could hear each other, but we couldn't hear the navigator. And at one point we were, we were like in second place. Bob Nordskog was in the lead and, um, we were coming up to a turn. We were inside the harbor, and we were going about 95 miles per hour. And are you there? Yeah, I'm here. We're listening. Oh, keep I, going. I no. lost you for a second. No, no, no. I I lost keep you. going. Um, so, because uh, this is the best part of the story. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're heading towards one of the turns, and we're, we're going literally 95 miles per hour at least. Um, and and Nordskog was ahead of us. And... I saw Northcock, he navigated the turn incorrectly. He, he went the wrong way around the turn. And we could not hear our navigator, okay? So I tell my dad, I said, Dad, Northcock did the turn wrong. We, we have, we've got to do it right. Because if you do the turn wrong, you have to go back and do it again. So obviously you lose your position in the race. You've got to go redo the turn. Well, Northcock did it I did it wrong. I'm yelling at my dad. Dad, he did it wrong. He did it wrong. We've got to do it the other way. And my dad says, no, no, he's never wrong. He's always right. He's the old man of the sea. You follow him. Dang it. You know, I think he said it differently, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll clean it up for your show. Okay. So anyway, so we're heading towards the turn and I'm arguing with him and I'm telling him, dad, dad, this is, he did it wrong. I'm telling you. So I, this is one, one argument that I just, I knew I was right. And I, Dad, I didn't even tell him what I was doing. I had the steering wheel. I had control of the boat. So I went the way I knew was right. And luckily, I was correct. <laughs> if I hadn't have been right, I don't know where I would be today because he would have been really angry with me. But, um, but since we did the turn right and Nordskog did it wrong, we were in the lead for a significant amount of time in the race. He, he did pass us once we got out in the rough stuff because once you get under the Golden Gate Bridge, which is an amazing experience in itself, uh-huh. you hit. Um, there's quite a there's a a lot of uh, there's a big current that comes under the bridge, and there's a like a it just you just like hit literally hit a wall of water going out from yes. the smooth to the rough, and needless to say, Bob passed us in the rough stuff, but we had our moment of glory and and. That was one argument I won. <laughs> there you go. And then you still came in yeah. second, though, right? Is that how you did on that? And that was your the end result on that? You came in second on that race? Yeah, we, we came in second, and it was really exciting, um, really a lot of fun. But we actually did uh, offshore boat racing for a while um, until a good friend of ours got hurt in, our, in a boat, you know, like I said, it was the days when there was no pods on top, and mm-hmm. and he got he got thrown out of the boat and hurt his arm. And um, it was really scary for us. So we actually, that was when we stopped offshore boat racing. We sold the boat to a guy who took it out not too long after we sold it to him in a race between Long Beach and Catalina, um, sunk the boat, and it went to the bottom. It's down there today. It was in such a deep part of the water that um, part of the channel that they couldn't retrieve it. So 
So we got out of it just in time. <laughs> and then and then you got into vintage racing. So tell us about the vintage racing, some good vintage racing stories. Oh, yes. Um, my dad got into vintage racing first, which was really frustrating. I mean, I couldn't believe, you know, for for the first time in my life I wasn't racing. I actually took up, I started running 10Ks because I, I just had to compete in something. So um, while my dad, uh, my dad bought a 63 Corvette, a split window Corvette, a beautiful car that was campaigned um, by Bob Bondurant and uh, has a huge history in itself. Um, so he started driving that car. He went to Bondurant driving school and everything else. And I was just watching him and, um, attending the races. I had a little, my daughter was young at the time and, uh, had her in a stroller. In fact, I remember the last race at Riverside. I went to watch my dad, uh, race the, the Corvette there and Courtney was in, in a stroller, but, um, I finally talked it well. It wasn't me that talked him into letting me race. It was um, some good friends of mine that worked for him, Bobby Meeks, who's passed away. But Bobby Meeks used to work for my my grandfather, and he was my buddy. And he talked my dad into letting us go to Bondurant. So my sister and I and my mom uh, went to the four-day course at Bondurant, which is unbelievable. If you ever get a chance to do that, it is the most fun you can have with your clothes on. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we laughed our heads off. I mean, you can imagine the three girls um, in in the skid car, you know, uh, trying to control the cars. And, you know, on the skid, you know what a skid car is? Yep. And they, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they simulate understeer and oversteer and we're cracking up and trying to <laughs> control the car. Because you're all over we the learned. track, right? Pardon? You're all over the track when they do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was quite exciting. But So once we went to Bondurant, Bobby kept bugging my dad, let her drive the Corvette, let her drive the Corvette, because there was a, there's a circuit out here called Vera, the vintage, I don't know what it stands for, but it's a vintage racing circuit, and they would let you share the car. So I could take it out in the novice class, and my dad drove it in the regular class. So so the first time I drove that car was at Willow Springs, and the first time I got in it was at the racetrack, and here's this loud, classic, Chrysler Corvette that I got to drive and had a great time, you know, but the first, I think it was the first or second race I drove it, I was going into turn one at Willow Springs, and I, I screwed up my downshift and spun out and went off in the dirt, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, what's my, he's going to kill me, you know, I'm going to, I hope I didn't hurt the car, you know, and the corner worker runs over to me and says, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I, I, I'm fine. I just hope my dad isn't too mad, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I pulled into the pits and my dad's a great guy, you know? He, he walked up to me and he had a bucket with a sponge in it and he said, Tammy, he goes, as long as you're okay, get out and wash it. Yeah, you can wash it. <laughs> <laughs> so he was really great about that. Uh, but I went on to, to, I continued to drive it in the novice classes for a while until I um, did better and then my friend Bob Bobby convinced, uh, I should say Bobby and Mike Eddy, who's our crew chief, talked him into getting me a 66 Shelby Mustang, which uh, okay. is my is my baby. It is the best car. And I got to drive that. Drove that in the vintage races for 
like 8, 17 years and had a blast. We got about uh, two and a half minutes left. What else would you like to talk about? Oh, my about? God. Yeah, oh, no, my God. Time flies fast. <laughs> it went fast. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it does. But anyway, well, so are you... I, I just, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm, I don't work for my dad anymore. I worked for him for, you know, like 27 years, but I'm still in the automotive industry. I work for a great company called Schieffer Media, and there's a great story in itself because I work for James Schieffer, who is also a third-generation kid in the automotive aftermarket. His grandfather started Schieffer Clutches, and his dad, Carl Schieffer, used to work for my dad doing PR. So it's kind of neat how everything just kind of kind of comes around in a big circle. Well, now, Schieffer Media, you're basically a public relations person right now. Is that what you do? Right. Public relations and uh, social media management. Okay. So do you go to a lot of events during the year then? And do you, do you, are there specific companies or, or manufacturers that you represent, or how does that work? Well, we, work, we represent a lot of different companies in the aftermarket and i got to attend the sema show for five days and had a great time representing all the companies there and taking pictures and and meeting everybody i saw troy trepanier and linda vaughn and all kinds of great people jack roush walked through the edelbrock booth while i was there and ford had an awesome display with some great mustangs they had uh, a great nostalgia because they're celebrating what is it the 60 years of, of ford racing no 100 100 years or something. They had an unbelievable display of old race cars, and it was a great event. So it's great that the industry is alive and well. There was a lot of people there. The aisles were crowded, and it was a great event. Everybody had a good time. Well, Cammy, I think, hey, Cedric, how are we doing on time? We got a minute or two, or are we about out of time? I think we're just about out of time. So, Cammy, I want to thank you for coming on the radio show. It was great. And you know what? We're going to have to get you on again because I know you get some really, really good stories. I mean, being the daughter <laughs> of Vic Edelbrock Jr., there's got to be tons and tons and tons of Edelbrock stories. So, uh, would you be willing oh, to come? more. There's, There's more. more, believe me. <laughs> You'd be willing to come on again, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'll do it for sure. Just let me know. Okay, now, hey, you going to try to make it to Amelia Island this year in the spring? I, you know, I'm, I, we talked about that, and I'm going to put it on my calendar and see if I can get out there. That's a great event, and I've always wanted to go. It's one of those things on my bucket list. Okay, well, look, I want to thank you again for coming on the show, and we will see you in the future. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. Cammy, thanks again for coming on the show, and we will see you next week. But we'll see you at Festival of Speed this weekend and Sunday at Ritz Carlton in Orlando. We're out of here, guys. We chased out pleasure. WPAN, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Petersburg. WDCF, Dade City, Zephyr Hills, and Wesley Chapel. And KLRG, Sheridan, Little Rock, Arkansas.